I, I think uh, more and more we realize that we can't make it without the Holy Spirit's presence. It's, uh, it's a dark age, isn't it? I can remember when I was younger, I used to be worried that the Lord would come soon. I think the older I get, I'm more worried he's not going to come soon. <laughs> I tell you, we need God to come in a mighty way in our world. We need the Holy Spirit to be present. You see these events all around you, and it, it scares you a little bit, doesn't it? And, um, you know, we talk about things that we have to be concerned about in, in our schools in Marysville and in our church in Marysville uh, that I, I guess I wouldn't even imagine would be possible. But uh, we live in a difficult age. Have I ever been frozen by choice? Huh? Anybody ever been frozen by choice? Where you had to make a decision and it was like, ah. This week, I was at Long John Silver's KFC. And it's, I tell you, it, it is, a, is a bad combination to walk up to the counter at Long John Silver's KFC and have to make a decision whether you will get deep fried fish or deep fried chicken. I mean, both of them are awesome choices. And I walked up to the counter and I said, I will take Long John Silver's number two. No, 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 no. Give me KFC number three. You know, we're we're frozen every once in a while by choices. And and oftentimes they're more important, maybe not more important to you, but more important than the choice between Long John Silver's and KFC. And, and, and sometimes life is just full of choices, and sometimes there's just too many. It's like life is a journey, and it's all these different roads and, and, and turns that we can make on, on the journey of life, and our destination will be determined by the turns, by the roads that we take. Um, where you are now has been directed by the choices that you've made in the past. Now, you know, we're, we're not completely defined by our choices. We believe in, in grace. We believe God can save us. But, but we have to be realistic enough to understand that choices we have made in, a, in the past have an effect on us in the present and on our children and our grandchildren and our future. Andy Stanley wrote a book, The Principle of the Path, several years ago. And and the, the key point in the book is this. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Can you say that with me? Direction, not intention, determines destination. I believe that's an outstanding truth, and I, I repeat that. I say it all the time to my boys, and they get sick of hearing it. <laughs> but, but I think it's true that, that, that it's not the intentions of our hearts necessarily that will drive the results of our life. It's the direction that we track. It's the choices that we make. It's the things that we do. The choices that you have made have an impact on your life, and not only that, but, but, but they have an impact on the life of your family. So some of you have been impacted by the choices of others in your life. They, they've made a choice, and it's impacted you. And in the same way, your choices will make an impact on those you love and those you know. Now, I think we tend to... I, Maybe we don't, but it seems like people tend to focus on those people who have made bad choices that have affected them negatively, as opposed to the people who have made good choices that have affected them positively. 
And I would suggest for this month that you would focus on that second group. In your life, there has been all sorts of people who have made the right choice. And because they have made the right choice, they have affected your life positively. And Thanksgiving is a good month to what? Eat turkey, watch football, um, pray that Ohio State will continue this route to the national championship, right? Wednesday night, I, I mispronounced J.T. Barrett's name. I said J.R. Barrett. And the first time I was corrected in this church was the name of the Ohio State quarterback. I could be wrong about scripture, and you guys won't correct me. But if I'm wrong about the name of the Ohio State quarterback... November would be a good month to send a card, to make a phone call, to to, to send a text, to send an email thanking someone in your life who has made choices that has affected your life for the good. Those people who made sure that you were in church. See, our, our, our choices impact others. It impacts future generations. So so let me ask you this morning, what what is the future impact of the choices you're making? The choices you've made this week, what is the future impact of those choices? If If you think about what all transpired this week, what you did, what you didn't do, what what's the future of those choices look like? You know, scripture recognizes life as a journey. When you you read, there's two ways you can look at Scripture in which Scripture is written. Sometimes Scripture is written as a story and, you know, the story we find ourselves in, the story of God. And and most of the time, Scripture is written as a journey. You know, the the highway of holiness, there's a highway there and you're traveling along. And, And the Scripture we're reading this morning and we're reading this month, Psalm 23, is a Scripture that implies a journey. Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, what an awesome promise. What an awesome scripture. And, and last week we talked about this. We hear this scripture so much. We've heard it so much over the course of our life that, that sometimes it almost becomes white noise. We, we really stop hearing what the psalmist, what David is saying about God, our shepherd. And last week we, we began tracking through this and And the theme of the passage is set in verse 1. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this could be translated, The Lord is my shepherd, I am whole. The Lord is my shepherd, I am complete. And so we began this process with this simple thought. I am complete in God. Can you say that with me? I am complete in God. And we say that And we believe that, but I wonder if we really live that. 
you know, these, these biblical concepts that we grab hold on and we say, oh yeah, God, in God I am complete. But the question is, does your life bear that out as really true? And so I want you to do an experiment before we go any further in the sermon. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes. Just don't go to sleep, okay? Uh, and, and I want you to look back. I want you to pretend that there has been hidden cameras all around you this week, this past week. And, and I want you to imagine how you've lived your life this past week, the choices you've made, the places that you've went, the money that you've spent, where you've spent your energy. And, and if you were to examine that life and you, you didn't know anything other than watching how you've lived, what would the video say as far as what you believe completes your life? Some of you are saying, man, this has been a boring week, right? See, all these things that we say, it's fine to say them and believe them, but it should change the way we live. And if we really believe that we are complete in God, then somehow this should be demonstrated in our life. The truth of it is, though, oftentimes, even though we say, I am complete in God, we believe that it's other things that will truly make us complete. I am complete in God, except for, I really need to get this 401k funded. Except for, I really need to get the kids through school, except for I really need to get this job or this degree. And we begin to operate under this illusion that, that we're really not whole, we're really not complete. There's all these other things that have to happen first. And the psalmist says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. I am complete in God. So we begin to track through that and, and break down this passage. And, 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 and last week, we, we, the focus was the, the God who feeds, this life-giving God who gives life. And, and we, we track through the thought, wholeness is found in being continually renewed by God. In other words, we never grow out of our need from being renewed. But, but we live constantly in this state of needing life breathed into us, that we need to be renewed, that we need God to, to, to breathe the breath of life continually within us as people, that, that our souls need restored, that, that we never get to this place where everything's just perfect and we can just sit in our easy chair and do nothing but we constantly live in this awareness where, where the the full needle goes down and God fills our tank once again right J just like eating <laughs> and that's that's the example the psalmist gives just like eating you know it's it's not like what's your favorite place to eat just yell it out. Chip, Chipotle? Outback. Outback's good. I'm a Montgomery Inn person. Last night we were at Old Bag and Nell's, and they're all over the world now, I guess. And they gave us too much food. It's not like we can go to our favorite restaurant and we're good to go for seven months, right? Most of us. Hopefully not. 
But there's this daily need of being restored. And the psalmist is saying, you're complete in God because you are connected to the source of life who can daily renew your strength, who can daily breathe life into you. This ultimate source of life, this giver of life, is available to you in an intimate, ongoing relationship. But not only am I fed by God, I'm led by God. And wholeness is found in allowing God to lead. Somebody in your life or something is going to set the course of your life. There's something that's going to make the determination on the direction that you will go. And I believe the psalmist is inviting us to intentionally consider who is setting the course of your life. Maybe it's a hobby, or maybe it's a habit, or maybe it's a relationship, or, or maybe it's a need, or maybe it's a, uh, you know, maybe it's a job, or, or, or what's setting the course of your life? And the psalmist is saying completeness is found, wholeness is found when that course, that trajectory, the way your life is lived is set by God. When you allow God to be the guide. Psalmist says, he guides me. God guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. God wants to lead us somewhere. He wants to lead you as an individual. He wants to lead your family. God has a plan. Do you believe this? God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. I don't know. Families are hard, aren't they? Nobody told, you, told me how hard families were going to be until I had family. And I've got good kids. I, I've got an awesome wife. But, but even in the midst of that, sometimes it's difficult and you worry about your kids. Do you know God's got a plan for them? That in your fear and you're staying awake at night worrying about your kids, God has a will and a plan. God is going to lead us somewhere. And it's his desire to lead us on paths of righteousness. I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about that phrase, paths of righteousness. And you know that, that's a good theological word that we throw around in the church, right? You know, righteous. You know, it just sounds cool, you know. Uh, and then it makes a pretty good group, the Righteous Brothers, right? Now, what, what, were they really brothers, and was their last name Righteous? I, you know, I'm not sure about all that. You guys know who the Righteous Brothers are. Don't, we've never heard of them, Pastor. All we listen to is blue goss, blue, bluegrass gospel on our radios. I know you, some of you have lost your loving feeling. <laughs> you know, righteousness, and it's from this great Hebrew word, Sedek, it's acting right, rightly, it's, it's, it's doing what it's right, it's, it's implication is something that's straight, physically straight, it's being just, and when you start getting into that word just, 
it, it moves away. As Nazarenes, we've been pretty good over the years with this personal piety ideal, right? <laughs> you know, you know, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, we, we don't dance, and you know, oh, we, we've been pretty good with that personal piety stuff. But we've not always emph- emphasized sufficiently, I believe this justice part, this relationship part, because I believe this is the most important component. Keep all those personal piety things, but, but let's learn to live righteously in relationship with other folks because that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the power of this is. When we become holiness people, that where holiness means that we forgive like no one else, we are, we are generous like no one else, that, that we show love like no one else, then there is a power in holiness that transforms this world. It transforms your families and your community when that holiness begins to bear itself out, not in just personal piety, which is, a, which is fine, but when it begins to bear itself out in the relationships that we have with other people. This is not, when the Bible talks about righteousness, it's not just and track with me for a second. It's not just about right things, but, it, but it's about doing right things in relationship with other people. So, so righteousness means to live in a right relationship with God and others. That's, that's righteousness. When your relationship with God is right and your relationship with others is right, that is living righteously. And I want you to know that this can't be right if this isn't right. And this can't be right if this isn't right. You know, it works in conjunction. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says we really can't even love other folks until God's love is born in us. So so there's something, and and, and folks, you can't even really love God if you don't love other people. So it works together that this righteous life is a life where we are loving God with our heart, soul, and mind. I mean, that's the picture of righteousness that Jesus gives. When you're loving God with every fiber of your being and you love your neighbor just like yourself, then everything kind of works its way out. That's righteousness. It's not something you do in a vacuum. You know what I found? It's a lot easier to be a holy Christian pastor sitting in my office with nobody around than being with people. Right? I want to be careful I say this, but I I think there's some truth because I think... Satan uses people. You know, Satan's the source of temptation. We believe that. We believe in a, a physical enemy. But it seems like my source of temptation usually is in the midst of relationship with attitudes. Nobody else is like that, right? Nobody this week has had a struggle with an attitude, not born out being by yourself, but dealing with someone else. See, righteousness is born out in the nitty-gritty processes of life. 
It's born in the midst of relationship and it's learned in the midst of relationship. You will never be able to forgive until you're in a relationship where forgiveness is necessary. Right? It's in hard relationships oftentimes And nobody likes hard relationships, but it's in hard relationships that God can teach us some dynamic, some deep truths. Nobody wants to be hurt. But can I challenge you this morning? If somebody has hurt you deeply, this is an opportunity for God to really teach you a deep type of forgiveness. By the way, that's the type of forgiveness that God practiced with us, that while Jesus was dying on the cross and people were making fun of him and people were spitting on him, Jesus was still able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And, and, and before we just say, well, that's a past tense thing, even when you were spitting in the face of God, God still forgave you. That it's not based on anything you've done, that, that, that somehow you're so righteous and you were born so righteous, but, but all of us are sinners saved by God's grace. And in the midst of that, God shows us what forgiveness really is. And he invites us to join him in this righteous forgiveness of other people. But the actual phrase here is paths of righteousness. You ever notice that? That the psalmist doesn't say he leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I think if I was writing this scripture, I think path of right. You know, because we tend to think, you know, there's one way, right? And, and before somebody's here, all pastors are going to teach us another way. I'm not teaching that, okay? So if I take a deep breath with me. But I believe this is intentional language. That the psalmist is using this phrase, paths of righteousness. And I think there's something that's important to see, and it's important to see to us who want to be genuine followers of Jesus Christ. There's something that's important to see in the use of this language. Let me let me teach it like this. Did anybody ever have hot wells growing up? Oh, more of you had hot. Joe Case, yes, right? I know you had Hot Wheels. And did you ever have the track? Who still has Hot Wheels in place with you? That's the, probably the better question. You know, Hot Wheels don't do anything on their own, right? You can drop them down a track or you can, you know, they have little motorized things on them. But did anybody ever have the track? And they, they at first came out, they had the thing that you'd go like this when the car went through and you had to time it right. You know, and the car would go around the track and then come up. Boy, that, that is a boring toy. But, that, but that's the kind of toys people like I grew up with. That's why I'm so warped, I guess, because I didn't have good toys. You know, just a hoop and a stick. But anyhow, so, so that Hot Wheels goes around the track and, you, you know, one loop, and then finally they came out with the mechanicized one, you know, the motorized one, and the wheels turning, and every time the car goes through, it just zoom, zoom. Sometimes I think we think life's like that, P- particularly in, in spiritual terms and in, in relationship with God, that, that it's like, okay, I, it's Sunday morning, it's time for me to have that spiritual experience, and zoom, I'll make it around the path one more time. 
You know, that like life is this grooved path. And it's not about choices or anything like that. It's about God just giving you enough strength to hit that same dynamic, simple, defined path. You know, I don't, I don't think, my life's not like that. You know, my, my life, it's not like always there's these bright paths. You know, it's, it's oh, this is the way you go. Let me ask you, show that picture. Which reflects your week? Honestly. As you look and you think about the week last week and you think about the week that's coming up, does the one, I've got to make sure I'm getting this right, the one on your left or the one on your right? See, I think it's more the one on the right. That, that, that each week, each day, as you encounter people, as you encounter circumstances, as you encounter choices, there's all sorts of decisions you have to make. And, and see, if we're living with this, this ideal that, okay, God hits me once a week with the will, and then I just flow through, then we're missing the point of what it means to walk with a shepherd that guides us on paths of righteousness. See, this week, tomorrow, <laughs> later today, you'll be encountering circumstances where you can't just get by on a past relationship, but it's a current, ongoing relationship. That that God's wanting to lead you in the midst of the left side of this picture just as clearly as if you were on the right side of the picture. Does that mean, is pastor saying life is unclear and you can never be sure? No. No. I'm saying the only way you can be sure on the left side of this picture, which reflects our life, is to live in this daily, continual renewal and guidance of God our Father. So let me ask you, how are you doing? In this complex world that's reflected on the left side, How's your clarity of decision day by day? See, I'm telling you, if we're, rely- if we're relying on a trip to the altar 30 years ago, we are dead meat. That's a good time to say amen. That way you can say amen to dead meat. And you've never said amen to that. So let's do it. Say amen to dead meat. Come on. Uh, you, you just are so hard. Clarity of de- decision is found in a sustained daily connection with God. It's the only way. And there's a wholeness of that, even in the midst of paths that crisscrosses and a difficult decision. You know, there's got to be a daily connection in the Word. Oh, man. Now, isn't that like the, the deepest truth you've ever heard? A pastor saying, you've got to read your Bible. If you're not daily in your word, you're you're missing the point. You're missing what God's trying to do in your life. There there has to be a sustained, not just daily, but almost hourly, just a continually prayer life where where, where, we're, we're reaching out to God when we're making all these decisions. And we have to be connected, I believe, daily with other believers in some form or some format. You know, we, we live in this great age of connection, right? 
We have smartphones where we can Facebook and we can call and we can, we can tweet. <laughs> is tweet. Is that what you say? Do you tweet? you Twitter? You can Instagram? All these ways that we can connect. And, and typically we use them for taking pictures of our food, which is good, okay, you know. I, I, I really want to see what you're eating and um, important to me. <laughs> but what if we used them for things like this? What, what if the next time you were going into a meeting at work that was going to be a difficult meeting, you sent a text to somebody you loved and said, hey, can you pray for me? I'm going to this meeting. I don't know what's going to happen here. See, I think that does a couple things. Number one, it raises your awareness. When, when, you're, when you're typing that and sending that text, there's something within you that says, hey, you know, there, there's, there's a higher power. There, there's a God who's interested in this silly little meeting that, that I've got to participate in. And it activates someone else to prayer. And, and i gotta, I got to say, I don't always understand all the complexities and and, and attributes of prayer. All I know is the Bible says where two or three are gathered, where, where two or three join on praying on something, somehow that moves the heart of God. And, and so I believe it honors God. I, I don't know if this is because it's faith at work and, and, and somehow by doing those things, we're, we're exercising our faith, we're exercising our trust, but something happens. So, so the next time you, you've got you know, a, a meeting or a class assignment or, or, or you're going to meet somebody or, uh, and, and you don't know how the, the, the conversation is going to go, why don't you send a text, send, send a Facebook message to somebody to pray with you. But when we do maintain this continual connection, there's this wholeness of relationship. So that, that's the point. This is what it's all about. It's all about relationship. Can you say that with me? It's all about relationship. See, we get hung up in things and, and titles and, and, and what we're doing, and it's all about relationship. God is consumed with our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. It's what it all boils down to. That, that's why love is the central feature of what we talk about because it's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And when that relationship is whole, when our relationship with God is whole and our relationship with other people is whole, then we are complete because that's all that matters. Wholeness is found when your daily relationship with God is right and you are working daily to be right with others. And I was very careful in the second part of that to say daily working to be right with others because there's some people that it's impossible to be right with. Amen? (laughs) Psalm 23 promises wholeness, completeness, but it does not promise that life will be easy. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is connected thoughts. This is not separate thoughts. Even is a con- conjunction here. It's combining these thoughts. It's saying, you know, God's leading me in the paths of righteousness, but, but even though I'm in the paths of righteousness, there's this reality of the valley of the shadow of death. 
And I think we see that phrase, and, and typically we think, well, th- this week I, I'm with Jim and, and, and Evelyn and the family, and we're in the hospital room, and, and we think of that image. You know, you're sitting in a hospital room, and somebody's dying. But I don't think that's what the psalmist is saying. I think the psalmist is recognizing in our age, in our day, in his day, even in the midst of God's perfect perfect path, in the paths of righteousness, there is this death and chaos that surrounds us. Is that not true in our age? We live in a crazy, chaotic time. You know, I don't know how it was 50 years ago, because that was two. (laughs) Pretty peaceful. Didn't have to do anything. But I know how it is now. And I know how it's been for the past 14 years, 15 years. And we live in this age where it seems like violence is just ratcheting higher and higher. You know, we're, you have to have board meetings. Can I just speak from the heart? You have to have board meetings and talk about violence in the church. That you have to be concerned when your kids go to school because of stupid stuff. That, that you turn on the news and, and, and radicals are standing in a balcony at a concert with a bunch of young people shooting with machine guns strapped with bombs on their chest. We live in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know what other ages have been like. There's been concerns and issues in every age, but in this issue, in this age, you don't have to look very far to see the valley of the shadow of death. It's it's all around us. Death and chaos surrounds us. But Psalm 23 says, no fear, because God is with us. In other words, where we go back? Relationship. I, I, I don't know how you make it without this daily connection with God. I don't. In this age, in this day, in in what's going on in our society, I don't understand how people can make it without the presence of God. It gives these images of guidance, the rod and the staff. It's, It's God's guidance, God's authority, God's protection, God's presence. Even in the midst of death, we can be assured of God's presence, God's authority, God's guidance, and God's protection. And we can be whole, even when the journey is difficult. Now, in the midst of death, we have to make a choice. And and this is a daily thing that you have to do. Every day you have to get up and you have to decide who will set the course, who will be my guide, how how will this journey be conducted today? Will I do it on my own? Will will I give God the opportunity? (laughs) See, I think difficult journeys 
give us an opportunity to trust God even more. That, that when you're going through hard times, when, when, when things aren't going exactly how you want them to go, it's an opportunity for you to trust God even more. And somehow in the midst of that trust, that re- somebody shut the lights out, is it time for me to be done? Is that the, the warning? In the midst of that relationship, that you can have peace and comfort regardless of what's going on. Stand with me if you will. We're going to close in prayer. I love, I love new songs, I do, but, but there's old songs I love too, and um, this is He Leadeth Me, anybody remember He Leadeth Me? <laughs> he leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. I want you to know, whatever you go through this week, whatever happens on the news, whatever happens in your home, whatever happens in this community, we serve a God who still leads. And it's in his leadership not in the circumstances, not in what goes on around us, but it's in the midst of his leadership that we can, we can declare, I am complete in God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, right now we just give you praise. I, I've sensed your presence in the service. You love us, you care for us, you lead us, you feed us. And Lord, I pray that... Uh, as we just continue to unpack this great psalm in, the, in, our, in some of our small groups, and then next week, Lord, that you'll continue to reveal the power of your love, the power of your goodness, the power of your mercy. And Lord, allow us to see that in a world that says we're lacking, in an age that we're bombarded with what we need, You give us the promise of completeness of wholeness found only in you. Where else will we find life but in the source of life? Where else will we find guidance but the one who holds our future and time is hand? So Lord, um, this week, 